Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with jazz saxophonist Claire Daly. She spent her childhood in Yonkers, New York, and saw so many live shows growing up, legendary ones, with Duke Ellington, Count Basie, Ella Fitzgerald, Lionel Hampton, Earl Father Hines, Benny Goodman, and so many more. The first time she played a baritone sax, it changed her life, and she began a very long and interesting jazz path that has forged many musical relationships. Like a lifetime collaboration with pianist and composer Joel Forrester, he's the composer of the theme for Fresh Air with Terry Gross on NPR. She is on the heels of releasing 2017's 2648 West Grand Boulevard. They are jazz interpretations of classic Motown 45 albums. So get to know her and dig this interview, my friends. Thank you so much for having me uh, having me on your show. It's my pleasure. And I want to start out here kind of generically and ask you, I know you got the new album out, but give me an idea of what's going on in your world. Uh, probably the biggest thing that's going on in my world is that the 2648 West Grand Boulevard is, is being released. It's been a, a, quite a journey getting, getting to this point, and I'm very happy about it. <laughs> Kind of give me an idea of what went into this album, how you feel about the sound and the message that came out of it. What I'd love to tell you about is how it came about, which was the producer, Doug Moody, who had produced uh, a previous record for me called Baritone Monk, um, approached me and said, would you like to do a, a record of Motown tunes? I, many of us, grew up with on Motown music, so I was... Um, thrilled at that idea and Doug and I chatted we discussed you know various things it was all going to be the Motown of the Detroit years and so we talked about some various tunes and then I started just diving into the whole all of Motown uh, Detroit and uh, came up with these tunes. We used the same band I had used on Baritone Monk, but we added Jerome Harris on guitar. I felt like we needed a guitar, and Jerome Harris was the perfect fit. Um, you probably know Jerome. He played bass with Sonny Rollins for seven years, and then Sonny heard him play guitar, and he moved him over to the guitar chair for another six or seven years. Yeah. So um, so we started rehearsing and really working. The, the band was very generous uh, with their time with me. They really came over and worked on stuff a lot. Uh, it was a particular challenge to make the record loyal to the tunes, um, but not covers necessarily. You know, we really wanted it to be a jazz record and uh, not a smooth jazz record. We wanted it to you know, to, to feel like real jazz. Yeah. And now it's it's found its way into reality. <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Let me go back in time here to your childhood in Yonkers, New York. How did you get so involved, not only in music, but more specifically into jazz? Uh, there was an epiphany moment for me uh, when I was about 12 years old where my father, I had started playing the saxophone randomly, the alto sax, and my father came home with tickets to a concert 
which uh, at the Westchester County Center, and there were all these bands, there were all these jazz groups from you know Bob Everly and the Bobcats and Vaughn Monroe and the Dorsey Band and you know all these older people, Al Clink, and then the last band on it was the Buddy Rich Band, and that split my head open basically. <laughs> it just melted just absolutely melted my brain. And you know, cuz they were playing, I mean they played a Beatles tune, they played Norwegian Wood. Wow. And I knew that song from the Beatles. And I when I was listening to the other jazz, I was loving it cuz I loved the way it felt, but I didn't know the tunes yet. I was just about 12 years old. So, that was that was maybe that moment was the way in for me, hearing the Buddy Rich Band play Norwegian Wood. You know, the one thing I noticed about your bio is I typically try to probe the albums that you've gotten involved with, but it sounds like you saw so many good live shows. Other than that show, were there other very seminal shows that you saw that really got your jazz motors moving? Oh, yes. <laughs> very. That's an astute observation, Joe, because... Um, that's the live music is really what drew me in. One of the another one that I that at that time, about a year later, in fact, I can tell you the date. It was September twenty fourth, nineteen seventy one. A Timex All Star Swing Festival. Uh, my father took me to. Might have been seventy two, and it, I saw Count Basie and Duke Ellington sit at concert grand pianos opposite each other and play tunes. The Basie band was there. It was a it might have been 72. It, it was, I think it was after Louis Armstrong had died and Ella was there and Joe Williams and the original Benny Goodman Quartet and Arvel Shaw. A lot of guys that had played uh, with Louis Armstrong. Um, yeah, whole, whole bunches of people. That was a, that was a show that probably changed my life in that I was a kid and I can tell you what I was wearing. <laughs> wow! Like yeah, vivid. You know, just vivid. Some of those ones that are really epiphanies are vivid. Yeah, and so, many, many. My father was very supportive of my interest in the music, and so he started coming home. I lived in Yonkers, you know, outside of Manhattan. So he started coming home with concert tickets to go hear things, and uh, that's really what did it for me. So was it always? Because of this history with music and your love of playing an instrument was always something that you knew you were going to be a musician, or were there other things that you were grooming your life for? No. When I was um, 12, at that first concert at the county center, I, I dragged my father around to get autographs at the stage door, and I said to him, I would do anything to get on that bus. Like, I just, I was ready to go on the road at 12. I wanted to just go and start playing jazz. That was really what I wanted to do my whole life. Awesome. So, let me tell you this. On, on, on the path to becoming a musician, or let me ask you this, I should say, you, mm-hmm. you, went, to, uh, you went to Berkeley. And I did go to Berkeley. What did you learn there? I know that, you know, that is kind of the mecca for jazz musicians, but from your perspective in a formal educational environment, what did you glean from that school to become a musician, the musician you are now? Wow, that's a wonderful question, Joe. I've never been asked one like that. I learned many things at Berkeley. One thing I learned at Berkeley was 
what it felt like to live in a community of musicians. And, I mean, besides, obviously, besides, you know, the the mechanics of an instrument, I studied with a great teacher there named Joe Viola, a brilliant teacher there who really was one of the great masters. So I learned I learned so much just about the saxophone, about playing the saxophone from Joe. You know, you learn you learn the theory, you learn you, you know you learn a lot about the you know the basics and the what you need to to, to know about in music. Uh, but as equally as important, I feel was the camaraderie that existed. Uh, of among musicians at that time. I'm not sure that it's like that now. It, it could be. I'm not sure. Um, but the experience of going from, you know, from Yonkers being in my family and, you know, growing up uh, to going and being on my own and living in a community of musicians was uh, wonderful for me. I loved it. I, it was like I found my people. Right on. You know, you've you've traveled on the road. You've been all around, and mm-hmm. it, there there was a there was a big part in your bio about when you played the baritone sax for the first time. It was kind of a, a game changer for you. Explain why that was. What was it about the instrument that really kind of parted the curtains for you? The first time I played the baritone, the connection was essential to the to the sound. I'd been playing alto. I was an alto player at Berkeley. And then I added tenor and soprano after Berkeley for a while, and I was in various bands and doing a lot of things. But when I played the baritone, it was the sound that the instrument made that I, I it was a coming home. It was a homecoming, if you will. I don't, I can't, I don't know how to describe that. I mean, except, you know, it's another of the epiphany moments. If that Buddy Rich band was an epiphany moment in my life, hearing them, uh, the moment that I played that horn was another epiphany moment. I just you felt know, like, oh, there I am. That's that. This is my voice. Absolutely. Well, and another epiphany moment or another big moment in your life was uh, collaborating with uh, Joel Forster. And I want to know about how that started and how big that's been in your development as a musician. I love telling you about Joel. Joel um, Joel is, has a huge impact in my life. We met, I was playing in a little joint in the village on Saturdays and Sunday afternoons, and Joel contacted me to see if he could book himself in there, because I was kind of, if I wasn't playing, I booked somebody else in there. We... I said, well, I said, I don't, I, I'm not going to book you just on your own, but if I need a piano player, you know, come and play with me. So he did. And it began a decade or more of doing a million gigs together. Um, really, uh, Joel, Joel is one of the most important m- musical collaborators of my life for sure. I have, uh, I love playing with him. I love his tunes. He's a prolific writer, a great player, and a character and a half of a of a friend in life. So that's a that's a deep that's a life connection. Long absolutely. You know, that's, that's the duration there. And Joel, you know, I mean, we've played together over twenty five years now. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we don't do a lot of gigs right now. Just 
not for any reason, just that's the way, you know, <laughs> things happen in cycles, I guess. But but I, I hope we play another million gigs. He's, he's Beautiful. Favorite musician. Yeah. Well, speak, speaking of million gigs, you've had plenty in your life. You've had a long, long road in jazz. How do you feel about your career? You sit back in the easy chair. You kind of think back to what you've done and where you are. <laughs> How do you feel? God, you have great questions, Joe. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you know, different days, I might have a different answer for that. But overall, yeah. I feel that I've been very lucky in my career. I feel very fortunate. And not because I've made a fortune or because I have all the gigs, because m- m- the, the the people that I've gone through my life with I think are great people, and I've managed to support myself as a musician, and I seem to be allowed creative opportunities to develop things and you know I think it's an it's a, always a work in progress we're always trying to get better and you know come up with new and interesting things and uh it's it's a very interesting life for me I've en- I've enjoyed it uh greatly and hope hope to continue doing so for a while absolutely and along yeah. those lines, the theme of your life has been loving jazz. So let me just ask you this. Why do you love jazz? I love how jazz makes me feel. I love how jazz uh, is music that one engages with. You know, it's it, it it uses different parts of the brain. I like that. Very essentially, I love how it makes me feel, and I think that was my first connection to it when I was 12 years old, because I didn't know what songs anybody was playing or what they were doing over chord changes or any of that stuff, but I loved the way this music makes me feel. I could probably go on all day about things that I love about jazz. I love the people that are connected to the the music. I I often say, you know, when you decide what you're going to do, in your life, you decide the people that you're going to go through life with. And if you if you decide I'm going to be a lawyer, you're going to go through your life, you know, knowing lawyers, working with other lawyers, working with other people. And for me, I don't think I could have made a better choice of the community of people that I wanted to travel through life with. Uh, I, I don't think I could have done better than jazz musicians. I really, I really love the, the jazz community. I should say because it, it's more than just the musicians. It's the people that are passionate about the music, and I, I love that. Yeah, I agree. I do too. Let me ask you this: You've seen a lot of stellar live shows in your life, so I'm going to get into kind of the, the the fantasy realm of questioning here and ask you: If you have a jazz DeLorean sitting out in front of your house. Stops at the wheel. You punch in the coordinates. Where are you going? Who are you going to see? What show do you want to see that you haven't seen in the annals of jazz history? Wow. This is the most fun interview. Good. Well, I would get in the car, and we would go hear John Coltrane. Right on. And we might do that for a very long time. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Because of all the greats that I saw, I never saw Coltrane. I really have seen a lot of the greats, but of all of them, I never saw Coltrane. Oh, but after then, like however many months after we're watching John Coltrane, listening to John Coltrane, um, Eric Dolphy, 
Yeah. Um, boy, well, now I'm just thinking of all there are all kinds of people I I've never seen that I'd love to. But let's let's leave those at the top of the list, and I could go on. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. I like that. The one thing I do want to get to, and this is kind of my final question here that's going to kind of get to the essence of who you are, not only as a musician but as a person, but everyone has a version of who you are, your family, your friends, those that you play live for, those that are going to pick up your music, your new album. But when you wake up and you face the world, who do you think you are? What's your perception of how you approach the world, and who do you think you are? I think I am many things. (laughs) I think I kind of have it all going on in there, you know, some ways or others part i think that i see myself uh as a as a pretty self-reliant person and uh sometimes funny you know qualities that i really like in other people are people that are smart and funny <laughs> so mm. hopefully i have some version of that in here you know i think i'm a person who early on sort of saw my calling in life and I've been fortunate to be able to pursue it and to still be doing it. You know, I mean, traits of myself, I think I have every trait. I think I can be very grounded and very down to earth and I can probably be batshit crazy. <laughs> you know, I I don't know. Uh, I mean, we all, I think we all encompass many things. So I'm probably all of it and I'm I'm just uh, somebody trying to live a, a a decent and enjoyable life. I would love if in the final, you know, if we could mention Doug, the producer. Doug Moody is somebody who is a tr- an altruist in in the jazz realm in that he really puts his heart and soul into his passion for the music and his money as well. He's very generous in the jazz community. He makes Brother Thelonious Ale, which is uh, the the proceeds, a portion of the proceeds of that go to the Monk Institute for jazz education. And he's a he's a real altruist in in the jazz realm. And I just really like to give him props because he really deserves some. And uh, right on. He's been so generous in in with me, and I o- I just always want to mention him when I'm being interviewed. Right on. I like that. I think that's a good way to kind of wrap everything up. Claire, thank you for taking some time out today and opening up with your music and your story. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. What a great interview. You are the best. That, that's, those are the most fun questions I've answered in a long time. Beautiful. Thank I'm glad. Thanks for listening and tuning in to yet another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players in New York, KC, and spots all over the world, giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Claire for her time, her music, and her honesty. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, visit NeonJazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the NeonJazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.